Hey everybody, this is Jeff Stevens and this is the Creative Stick Up. This week on the podcast, I've got Kevin Brennan, owner of Brennan's in the West End. Um, and if you've been there, you know it's a bar, but it's also an upstairs bar. It's got a cigar lounge. It's got its own cigar brand. It's got the Ping Pong Palladium. It's got the Beehive Amazing Co-working Space. And now Kevin is launching a uh, chef series next year that uh, is fresh and new. And uh, I wanted to talk to him about that. So we get into all of this stuff this week. Enjoy my conversation with Kevin Brennan. Actually, I didn't know a handful of people, so I don't know how it got to some of those guys. But that's good. Yeah, that's one of those things where you're like, it's invite and RSVP only, and then it's like, oh, few stragglers. Yeah, you know, the in the no crowd. That's right. Well, let's t- yeah, tell tell me a little bit about the whole the whole concept. So last night was a preview, and it was just tell me. Yeah, the it, it, I found it really interesting. Last night you had a preview for this upcoming chef series, right? Mm-hmm. Called this is not a restaurant. And yeah, just tell me where that came from and what where this. It seems like it's pretty evolved at this point. Yeah, so I guess it stemmed from originally. I think I talked to you about Durango cigars. The yeah. tagline for that cigar was going to be "This is not a cigar." Right. And, and cigars are make these cigars. We'll get to that. We do. Yeah. But the tagline on that brand was "This is not a cigar." Yeah. And then when we started talking about this chef for dinner series we thought that was kind of an interesting tie-in because yeah. we're not a restaurant yeah but we've got a full kitchen capacity on the other side and we yeah. thought it'd be cool to have these interesting different chefs come through and cook some amazing food yeah. in a unique space was you know an eclectic mix of people so yeah that's just how it's done and then from there we've just been building on it so. yeah so last night was kind of and your partner in crime and this is frank frank mcginty who's yeah. executive chef at caldi's okay he also has, um, he went to culinary school over in Italy. He worked at a couple places there. He lived in New York. He worked for Mario Vitale in yeah. New York in the uh, theater district. And then back here in St. Louis, Arthur Clay's originally. And now he's executive chef at Caldi's, which gives him more of a corporate daytime job for, you know, marketing Caldi's and putting together their cafes and things. And then he gets, you know, he has nights off sometimes when he doesn't have his children and he likes to experiment with food, some really interesting food. Yeah. So the whole the whole idea, and I was fascinated by this, I mean, the explosion in food culture, first of all, is amazing. So this feels, you've done these kinds of things before, sorts of, right? Having chefs come and just do one-off nights? We have, yeah. And it works and it has done well for different reasons, but um, I think we want to host those, if we can, in this new space, yeah. of Beehive, so with the idea that it's kind of a funky mix of space yeah. and it's not what you typically think of as a, as a restaurant so that kind of lends itself to being more creative with the food yeah. and doing different mixes of people. So, so the, whole, the whole thing is that a chef's going to come in here. It almost felt like you're booking a concert series and that's what's so interesting about this to me is uh, chefs have become rock stars and in almost the truest sense of the word now they're being booked for one-off nights to come in and perform and, and it gives them this chance to do things they can't do in the, at their regular jobs, right? 
Um, they can travel in. I thought that was great. You can bring in people just from all over the place. Yeah, I think we're definitely trying to tap into out-of-town chefs, um, and I think that will be interesting, and I think that will be twofold, because I think that chef will come in. I mean, I, we're obviously going to target bigger cities on the coast and different things, but I think there will also be a lot of chefs that come in from Louisville and Memphis and Chicago and Cincinnati and Kansas City that are close enough drive, and I think that will help that chef, that chef when they show up here because people will be interested to try their food, but then I think people will also drive down from that city, and I think people will go back and follow that chef back in their city because yeah. from St. Louis, always a road trip to those cities, yeah. and it kind of gives you, you know, a connection to that city or to that chef or to his or her restaurant yeah. there. So Yeah, it's, it's crazy that you can almost... You can go on the road, like as a chef, you know, you can take your Yeah, your take crack, your gig on the road. Which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I, yeah, I think it's, it's really changing a lot. Yeah. But, um. So if I'm, if I'm going to come to this thing, I'm going to buy tickets to this series. Um, I, I, I was, it's really just seeing who was here last night. Last night was the preview for it. You invited people just to kind of preview, talk about the ideas, get some feedback from it. It seemed like there was great enthusiasm in the room, lots of foodies, lots of people who want to come have these great meals. Um, and I was also fascinated by this idea that within this space, you can kind of watch the chef work in ways that isn't, just isn't possible at a restaurant. Yeah. Right. I think that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, we're going to devote that first room on the right, which yeah. is all... Kind of glass walled in. Yes, yeah. it's a beautiful room, which yeah. which which I walked by and didn't had no idea what you were ever going to do with it. But was this always the idea? Is to kind of use well, this as left, a we left thing? that yeah we left that as a um a kind of a blank room or no, we didn't build out yeah. that room. We put some cabinetry in there just to have it not be empty with the idea that we're going to build it out. Mm -hmm. And this idea idea has developed kind of. Um, over the process of a couple of months now, and so we're getting to the point, I think maybe by early next year, that room would actually be outfitted as how we like it, yeah. or how we'd like it to be. And so it's going to be mobile cooking equipment. The pretty much. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, Frank uh, has also done a lot of underground dinners with uh, a couple different chefs, yeah. um, and one of his things is that a lot of those chefs, after those dinners, they wouldn't necessarily make money. They might break even. They might make a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they would take some of that leftover money to actually buy new equipment, funky chef tools and different things, yeah. which I think is really cool because they're going to use that room to inventory, you know, hold their inventory of, uh, original or eclectic chef tools Yeah. with the idea that they would build an electronic file on that. So those chefs that were interested in coming to prepare food here yeah. could access that file, look at what kind of equipment is here, yeah. and then just show up and cook as opposed to a caterer that loves around all their equipment and their plates and yeah. their glassware and their equipment. So I think that gives it an interesting angle as well. Yeah, that's you know, even easier for that guy to show yeah, yeah. up and just do his thing. Yeah. Um, so I think it's cool. Yeah. Tell, tell me... Uh, uh, a little bit about how you see the night happening. Just like, what's the experience if I come to this is not a restaurant next year, one of these dinners? I think, well, I think it's going to be, it's going to differ quite yeah. a bit okay. on different nights. Yeah. Because we even talk about, you know, you could do a Sunday brunch Saturday at midnight with one seating for 30 people and do something really funky or different. Yeah. You could seat just 12 people and do a really high-end dinner. You could seat two or three sets of 20. Mm-hmm. 
So it has all these different angles, and I think that's going to be based a little bit. We're going to kind of let the chef do whatever they want. Yeah. And I mean, give them certain parameters. Yeah. And like number of people coming, and <clears throat> yeah, here's this is how it's going to go down. We want them to decide the price point. Okay. And the number of people they want to serve. Okay. And then we'd put that into the website, which would just be an events listing service, basically. Yep. It would show the date, the name of the chef, the name of the meal, yep. which I think would be interesting, yep. the price point and availability. And I think we'll sell those out, or we're attempting to sell those out a couple months in advance yeah. because we're going to slowly build it. Yeah. We don't want to be doing it all the time. We want to make them one-off experiences and yeah. things that are interesting so that there is that buzz in the room like there was last night. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Well, I also love the idea of, you know, I'm, I go to Miley all the time and mentioned like having the chef from Miley come in and do a burger meal or having the chef that does this kind of food come in and just do something completely opposite. Completely, you know. And there, there's also, I think we'll mess with different price ranges, you know. Yeah. I think Frank touched on that last night, but it was like the idea that you could do something for $30 and then the next one might be $150, yeah. you know. So that it's, it's the same mix of what we have at Brennan's, hopefully, yeah. where you get, if you can mess with that stuff, it's all, um, you know, just interesting things at different price points that bring different people out for yeah. different reasons. And uh, we talked about that whole um, inclusively exclusive is kind of the, the basic, we've read some articles about it. Yeah. Kind of working on that for years so there it's, it's a way to get a lot of different people involved yeah you get different people in the room and that makes it that much more interesting yeah so it'll almost be a curated crowd coming that night of people that are really into this thing so it's just now if i come not only am i gonna have this incredible one-off meal that'll never be cooked again which i think is great but just the crowd i'm gonna meet and just have this great yeah salon style cocktail party and meet everyone and yeah that's fantastic i think so yeah so tell me, um, also, you previewed last night this magazine uh, that's going to be created at each event. So there's, it will be, it will live forever in this digital magazine that will be shot, written, curated that night, all about that thing, and then it'll put up online? Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah, and it looks beautiful. This is actually, thank you. Yeah. And that is uh, actually derived from your concept. Of yeah. Credit too, but... So when you originally, we talked about Sticky Business yeah. and, and the business series in yeah. here and doing this digital magazine as a one-off, I said, man, that could really be interesting and overlap with what we're trying to do for food. Yeah. And it also overlaps with what we were talking about for the cigar program when we would do those cigar dinners where we wanted to document it as well. So I think that's really pretty cool and that piece will, it almost like triples or quadruples for reasoning behind it. It's both what you just described, or it's in addition to what you just described it as a document of what happened that night, but it also serves as a really cool thing, I think, for those incoming chefs, because there's so many chefs that don't have yeah. like promotional pieces for themselves, Yeah, and it's just really well done with high-resolution photos, yeah. the chef bio, the pictures of the different plates, and then the... So you're going to set up kind of a white table up here, mm -hmm. as they plate the food, get actual killer high-res photography. Yeah, and we're hoping that the photographers awesome. even through that night producing, you know, yeah. developing those image on a laptop as that's taking place so you can kind of see the process of what's going on. Yeah. And um, like we said, there can be audio with the chef involved or maybe with yeah. the, uh, the guests. We like to do a video that's a recap of the night that's compressed down to 45 or 60 seconds of everything that took place that night yeah. just in fast speed motion. 
Um, so there, yeah, I think there's a lot of really cool elements to it. Yeah. And part of that thing is sourcing the people that are interested in working on it and having those people experience the dinners and then write the articles or then yeah. do the photography or then do uh, the PR, the social media behind it to get the word out. Yeah. So I think that's pretty cool. It's important to us to have people that are doing that sort of thing yeah. involved in it on a bigger level yeah. than just doing the work. Yeah. That's crazy. So you, where did you get this whole uh, entrepreneurial spirit to create this space or to mix all this business? Because you, you are a bar owner. You own a bar called Brennan's. It's, it's, a, it's a about as, bar, you know, it's a bar at its core and what it started as. Where did, where did all, and, and yet you have the upstairs bar, the cigar lounge, this fantastic ping pong space. We talked about all these things you've done over the years. And then now you've built this, uh, for lack of a better word, it's almost like a mini Soho house right here in St. Louis. If you're not familiar with the Soho house in London and New York, it's, it's this space where I guess media executives, and I've been to you know, one, uh, them a few times, buy memberships and come and have meetings, right? And it's just these beautiful rooms and you have this awesome thing. And, and T- tell me how that all, just where you found this inspiration to do this. I don't know. Well, originally when we opened Brennan's, it was going to be a store. My brother and I opened it up, and it was a store. It was a store and to sell? To sell wine, liquor, gotcha. cigars, okay. a little bit of food. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like a mini provision shop. When, when was this? That was in 2003, so it's been 12 years. 12 years ago, okay. Yeah. Um, and ironically, my brother's mother-in-law was, she helped, she was, you know, Nikki Antonio, she was a, you know, um, a really big help in developing the store initially. She yeah. used to run the Greek Gourmet and she, okay. used, she was telling us, she said, you guys are going to need more tables and chairs. You don't understand. People are going to want to hang out here. And we were like, you don't understand. We don't want people to hang out here. We're going to be a store. We're going to do a lot of volume with people coming. You know, the, the yeah. neighborhood was underserved for that. Yeah, there's nothing here to buy, go buy everything, right? There, we waited. There was an old place called the Vintage Room, and we waited till he went out of business because he was not right in this, yeah, the heart of the West End, but he was a couple. He was down near the Scottish Arms off of Boyle. Oh yeah, yeah. And so was it Boyle, yeah, yeah. Cleet or whatever it is. Yeah, um, cool. But we waited till he, you know, that didn't work out because mm-hmm. we didn't want to, you know, compete with somebody. I don't really like when businesses go head to head. Down yeah. here, it's different because the restaurants feed off of one another. Yeah. But we thought having one wine store was enough. Yeah. As it turned out, she was right. We needed more tables and chairs, and people <laughs> were hanging out here all the time. And uh, we always had that serving license, but it turned into more of a bar. So. That's funny. Did you have you run a bar prior to that? I did in Chicago, okay. a couple different places. So, so you knew the I, business. I knew the business, and I was kind of trying to get out of that business. And then it just more <laughs> it's kind of like just, the mafia, man. Yeah. It just sucks you back in. Exactly. And that's, I think that's actually part of what this new space is, Yeah, is me still being like, no, I'm going to get out of the bar business, you know, and yeah. come over here and do worship. So, but, you know, it's yeah. funny, because yeah. I had on a, like a collared shirt and a jacket last night, and they were like, man, you're all dressed up, you know, I'm like, well, I think <laughs> I'm trying. Try, yeah, trying to break the mold here. So, yeah, but it's good. I think it's a like an evolution of the whole place. Yeah. And I think people are responding to that I think it's been awesome. Our business is really up from the last couple of years because we've gone in and changed things and updated yeah. things and made things nicer and spent some money to kind of say, no, yeah. we want to do this next evolution of yeah. what that place was. Yeah. Well, this this is the. I mean, it's amazing. Everyone. I, I have brought here, or told to me here, they're like, I hang out there all the time. They already hang out here, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just interesting how many people, it's a real community 
beyond the pub. You know, it's mm-hmm. like a real service to, it's already kind of got that thing going, which is great. What was the inspiration for this, for the Beehive? So, like I said, yeah. you know, more work. And we also run our online business that we can run out of here. And this was actually... We put together a model for somebody for San Francisco. Okay. And I know that this was a big part of, you know, what was happening out in San Francisco and people working from their laptop yep. and making work more of a... It's a co-working place, yeah. It's a co- yeah, yeah, co-working to an extent. And also out there, I think it's that, you know, I think they get that. There's more of that culture where they're going to work. They're not going to work nine to five. Yeah. They're going to work when they need to work and get yeah. their work done, but they can do it from wherever. Yeah. And so we wanted to build out a space that provided that for people. And, um, you know, it's funny. Starbucks, you know, is so busy you can't really have a meeting there anymore. Right. I mean, if you want a private meeting or if you go there, you don't know that you're going to get a seat in there. You yeah. Know? yeah, it's crowded all the time. So we're try- we want to be between that and what, Yeah. I guess, we also joked about being like a country club, but without the country, country. without the club. <laughs> So, you know, so it's like, it's this place to go where it's a, hopefully it's a new yeah. place to do business in a different sense. So yeah. we have a lot of different, and some people are really embracing that and getting it. Mm-hmm. And other people don't really understand how, maybe how it applies to them, but we really think it applies to more people than yeah. they think it does. Part of the digital magazine is part of that thing because I think when people can see that and then you could say, well, you could do a corporate dinner or yeah. event and then create that for it. Or without even the food and tie in businesses to do yeah. a business-related event. I think it has a really cool angle to it. You know? Yeah. So. Well, and I, I agree. And I think we'll be talking about that uh, and getting the word out about having these sticky business events as businesses do off-sites and try to be more innovative and bring teams together and do things like that. I think the, the event we did earlier this year and we'll continue to do next year, this space is just lends itself beautifully for that. Um, all right. We just had our electrician walk in, which happens, I'm sure. Yeah. What are you building now? Thermal printers are. Oh, you're putting a printer in up here. Yeah. Well, there's a. We have some new uh, wireless. Uh, Bang. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> devices. I don't understand any of that yeah. stuff. So the electricians here wiring some things. Oh, that's cool. All right. Um, ping pong. New ping pong room downstairs. Yep, stumped. It's awesome. Thank you. And where did that come from? Because it's not, it's, not like it, it's not like a ping pong room that you would typically think of in a garage with some wobbly tables and green wobbly tables. No. This is like a proper red tables, I'm going down. Yeah, we try to make it cool and a little bit different. I mean, that actually, you know, we tried to do... We, we had been working on doing some live music and uh, live comedy in that for a while mm-hmm. in the basement. And for a lot of time that worked, we had some unbelievable people show up here and perform, you know, and some yeah. unbelievable comics that went on to charge a lot more than they were getting out of us. But um, it just kind of ran its course and it didn't yeah. work for a couple of reasons because of the size of the room. Yeah. And we figured, you know, we used, ironically, the Scar Club used to be in the basement and mm-hmm. people would go down there. And then when we moved the scarf club upstairs and fixed that up and made it really pretty nice and had kind of stole, you know, taken some of that feel of the basement yeah, and moved yeah. it upstairs. And so we wanted to do something different in the basement. And ironically, we wanted to do something that we didn't really have to staff full time because yeah. we would put people down there and then you wouldn't always know exactly how busy it would be. And I think ping pong worked perfectly for that. There's yeah. like a little 
miniature bar and like a little viewing room almost yeah. like if you're not playing you can sit in there and not risk getting you know whacked with, whacked the with a racket or a ball flying across <laughs> the room and then there's three tables that yeah were kind of custom built we made them a lot heavier a lot sturdier painted them red made them look pretty cool yeah and then just did some funky goofy artwork stuff on the walls and put that old picture of uh ali frazier on the back wall which was kind of blown up and huge yeah. the idea that just kind of one-on-one -on -one competition yeah. you know, and knocking people out. And the name Skunk, I don't know if everybody knows that, but that's the term for when you beat somebody 7-0 or 11-1. Yeah. Apparently a lot of people didn't know that. I thought that was pretty common. But yeah. So Skunk Ping Pong Parlor, and we're going to be selling. It's pretty cool because we have all custom track suits, literally. No, and I didn't know that. Yeah. I'll have to get some cool pictures. T-shirts and we'll funky those. hats. We've never sold any apparel here. Yeah. People always ask us, why don't we have T-shirts and stuff? So this will give us a reason. There's going to be like a little miniature. Do you have them now? We don't. We'll okay. be getting them in. And I think they're going to be pretty cool. Yeah. It's kind of like taking those colors from the 70s and 80s, yeah. you know, those primary colors. Those like old Adidas killer tracksuits with exactly. the stripe. Yeah. Yeah. They're, we actually ordered some wholesale. You can't find them here. It's this um, cool site in London. Yeah. And that's where that's they're coming from. And, and the cool. colors are from. <laughs> you, they look like, you know, yeah. it's kind of like, I don't know. Getting so old that like what was cool, you know, yeah. twenty or thirty years ago is coming back in. So yeah. it relates to that. It's like members only jackets coming back around, which they already have, you know. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's that kind of look with our own patches for skunks. Oh, cool. Yeah, that cool. pretty interesting. Did, did you curate all this place? Is this all your stuff? Like, I'm, I'm in here, the corner office, and you've got this reel-to-reel, this Sony reel-to-reel player, which is from I don't know the '60s, probably with these awesome Led Zeppelin reel-to-reel. <laughs> yeah, everything we picked out ourselves. Yeah, did you guys, is this just this a thing was, you do? That was a flea market purchase. Okay. Like actually, at the end of the hall, at the top of the stairs, yeah. we put in that little miniature vinyl store. Because yeah. We've been spinning vinyl in the Cigar Club for five years now. It's pretty crazy. Um, and so we uh, did a kind of collaboration there with Dead Wax Records, who are my friends who yeah. in Germany. Oh, Cherokee, yeah. yep. You know, Mud House, and they own yeah. Dead Wax Records down there. Yeah. And we said, what if we put this cool little thing in here? You know, just, yeah. we kind of, that room was in between what the Beehive is for workspace and the, the uh, Maryland House on the other side, or the Cigar Club on the other side. And so the idea was, what could you do there that kind of melds the two? And so yeah. we thought like a listening room or someplace you could just go and hang out. Yeah. You could do that at 9.30 or 10 in the morning and listen to some cool, cool music, or you yeah. could go in there at 9.30 or 10 at night and yeah. do the exact same. Yeah. So, it's, um, it's cool. That's a great space. I'll, I'll, I will link to the all the pictures, because you've had all this shot. It looks amazing. It's all on the site, right? Yeah, we went back and reshot everything. Um, RJ Harpeck shot, I think, okay. pretty much the whole place. Yeah. And made the, gave the place, you know, the photos do the place justice, so. And where did this impetus to do a cigar brand come from? That does not seem like an easy thing. Or I guess you've been a fan of the products for a while, and you're just like, I'm going to do my own? Yeah, well, that yeah, that's been a while, and now we're back. So that should really be my focus. You know, if I was really smarter and making money, I would have just been working on that the whole time. But ironically, <laughs> that product is sold so well at Brennan's, yeah. and it's starting to sell better online, but... Really, online is where that thing should really flourish. Yeah. So and it's called know, Durango cigars, and, yeah. and it's got this incredible point of difference. It does. They're pipe tobacco cigars, so they they're made with a little bit of pipe tobacco filler leaf along with long filler cigar leaf, and then bound and wrapped 
in cigar leaf as well, mm -hmm. premium stuff. So they sit, for the, those tobaccos that are used are three, four years old, and they're made in the Dominican. It's a pretty cool operation because it's a small family. Mm -hmm. The daughter's in Miami, the father is on the farm factory in the Dominican, and the son goes back and forth. So it's really easy. You can call Miami, get a hold of somebody, they're great. Um, and then you have the brother that goes back and forth that's wow. you know, working with their, with their father. And just really good product. And then when they show up in Miami, they're aged anywhere from like three to maybe nine months. Then they show up here, and then we start aging them with different things. Tea leaves, herbs, spices. Um, and right before we sell them, we'll give them a top note of maybe a little liqueur or something before they go in the humidor for sale. Okay. And that tobacco is porous, so it takes on the dominant flavor that's aged with. So, And it's not like those old descriptions of, oh, you're getting hints of cedar out of this and that. Yeah. You're really tasting, you know, yeah. we age the Colombia mocha that we do. It has some of that Colombia mocha pipe tobacco, mm -hmm. but then we age it further with coffee beans, dark chocolate, and mint, and you're actually getting that taste and that smell out of those cigars, and that's been a great thing. I mean, people are literally buying those from smelling other people smoking them, and that's never been the case with cigars. So that's really awesome, and it's interesting because it's developing just like the food and cocktails and all these different scenes. It's yeah. been interesting to develop that line. I, I think it'll be really cool to go back and look at what a walk-in. We're also developing these modular humidors that are called micro-tobacconists. Uh -huh. They're designed for large liquor stores. Okay. Because large liquor stores don't typically do a great job of their walk-in humidors. Yeah. There's a lot of freshness issues, which this, you know, um, okay. fixes that problem. And then uh, proprietary product is a problem because now cigars with online business, there's a lot of problems there for developing a true brick and mortar retail operation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And exclusives and seasonal blends. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like if you look at the microbrewery business yeah. and what that's done in the last 15 or 20 years for big coolers and liquor stores, I think you'll see the same in walk-in humidors and large liquor stores for years to come. So wow. the, all these different flavors and blends and more aromatics and different products, but all premium. Yeah. That's awesome. That's cool. All right, man. So in January, for This Is Not a Restaurant, who do you know your chefs? Do you know who's going to star in the first couple of these things? We no? don't. We have some dates that we're putting together. Okay. We're going to put that on the website. I believe it's under definitelynotarestaurant.com. Definitelynotarestaurant.com. I will post that when I post this. That's awesome. And the whole series will be put on there maybe in another week or two. But look for the end of January to actually have those events. Okay. And then one or two in January, a couple in February, and then start building up a little bit, but not over the yeah. top. We'll keep it kind of interesting. So. so if you're St. Louis, you love food, you're a foodie, you like the finer things in life, you need to somehow get involved in this. This, uh, this is not a restaurant. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the interview, Kevin. Thank you. All right. Yeah. 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 Ye